and welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast, where we give you tangible, actionable tips to live your most vibrant life. We do this with a combination of interviews with badass women who are rocking their most vibrant lives and coaching episodes to help you move forward and take action on the goals and the things that are important in your life. So this is episode number 78 and my name is Victoria Smith. I am your host. I'm really excited for today's episode. We are joined by Andrea Bessa, who has been a, and I believe still is technically, a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Now, Andrea has a podcast that is fabulous, which actually has just had its last episode, which really breaks my heart. It's called That's So Maven, and she interviews femmes in business, and it is a fabulous, fabulous podcast. I highly recommend you check it out. I will link to it in today's show notes. She interviews all kinds of women, Uh, kind of similar to this podcast in many ways, but specifically focusing on their journey as femmes in business. Now, Andrea is a filmmaker. She is a storyteller. She is, uh, has been a Zumba teacher. She is passionate about boxing. She has so many different facets to her life. And I found her such a joy to interview. We talk about so many different things in this episode. We talk about why she hates the term hustle, her experience teaching Zumba, all the things that she's multi-passionate about. We talk about how hard social media can be on the psyche and how the work you do becomes the work that you do. And she also shares with me the most important business lesson that she's learned. So it's a fantastic episode and I was so pleased to have her on. I actually had, I I actually did this interview with her before that I knew that that So Maven podcast was coming to an end. So you might get a little confused when we're referring to the podcast when we're talking about it. We're probably talking about it as though it's still ongoing. But Andrea has actually become so busy with her day-to-day job as a filmmaker that she's closed the podcast for the time being. As I said, she is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, and that is a collection of podcasts uh, created and hosted by Albertans, and we cover all kinds of topics. We There are actually some podcasts that are fiction Based. We have uh, sports podcasts, Bollywood is for lovers, we've got arts and culture, we've got news podcasts, we've pretty much got everything under the sun. So I highly recommend you check them out and go into the vault and check out the 99, sorry, the 98 That's So Maven episodes. I think you will love them. So as I mentioned, this podcast is powered by ATB, and I want to tell you, because we're specifically talking about femmes in business, I want to tell you about their Entrepreneur Center. If you've been a listener to the podcast, then you've heard me talk about their Entrepreneur Center before, but if you are starting or building a business, then their Entrepreneur Center, ATB's Entrepreneur Center, is a great place to go. I myself am signed up for some of their free workshops that they have ongoing, and they've got these Entrepreneur Centers in Calgary and in Edmonton. I highly recommend you check them out. Not only can they help you with their banking, but they do these workshops, they offer networking opportunities, and they're really honestly some cool places to hang out. I've been there in person and it just has this coffee shop vibe. It doesn't feel... I don't know, it doesn't feel like your average bank. It feels like a fun place to hang out. And uh, one of the other cool things is that they can help get you set up with a mentor, which if you're starting out in business is having that insight from a mentor is invaluable. So I highly recommend that you check them out. And all that information is going to be in the show notes. So show notes for today can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash seven eight. So the last thing I wanted to ask you before you start listening to this episode is if you have been enjoying the Girl Tries Life podcast, please, please, please make my day and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. If you paused it right now, you could actually do that before the episode even started. Did you do it? Did you make my day? Did you make me ridiculously happy? I hope so. I really would appreciate it. And uh, no, that's just a light form of begging there. But honestly, it gives me great feedback as to what you're enjoying about the podcast, where we can improve, and it helps other people make the decision to commit to listening to an episode. So thank you so much. And without further ado, let's head to the episode. Hey, well, thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us on the podcast. We're really pleased to have you. Thank you for having me. 
So as a fellow member of the Alberta Podcast Network, you are kind of my spiel today, which means that we're going to run, start off with a rundown of what That So Maven is, and I get to throw it over to you to tell me what, tell us all about That So Maven. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So That So Maven is a, is a podcast by, for, and about femmes in business and leadership. So essentially every episode is either an interview with or a deep dive with a femme who is either running a business or, you know, when I use the term leadership, it's it's sort of a, a broader term, I suppose. But for example, I've had guests on who run charities that are not their full-time job, but are something that they do on top of their full-time job. <laughs> so that's the kind of leadership that I'm exploring with the show. Yeah. And so I, I think a lot of people would think like, this is part of your job. But for for us fellow podcasters, we understand like, we don't get paid much to do this, if anything. So what, where has the commitment come from and the passion for 90 plus episodes? Why is it that important for you to keep this going? <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely it's a labor of love. That's for sure. And it's, it's amazing. I guess it is somewhat related to what I do. So there are a lot of folks out there who assume that it's my job. Uh, it would be lovely to be paid uh, a good wage to do it. But, you know, the reason it exists is sort of twofold. So uh, the first reason is that I've been uh, a woman in leadership roles pretty much my entire life, from, you know, being a kind of outgoing kid to starting my own indie theater company when I was 19 and being a writer, producer, director, to then moving into film about seven years ago and really much more seriously, I'd say in the last five years, it was kind of an exploration for the first couple. But so I've been in these roles that are traditionally taken up by men. And that's always, it's always been met with a lot of pushback. And I've, I've definitely felt a lot of sexism in all of the industries I've been in. And so my life has really become quite committed to pushing back against the pushback yeah. <laughs> to, to fighting for equality, uh, not only for women in any industry, but for all marginalized folks and really for, you know, fighting for diversity and inclusivity and representation in, uh, in every type of, in every media, really. So that was kind of the driving force that has been present throughout my entire life. And then beyond that, I became a full-time entrepreneur in 2015 and I very quickly realized how isolating it can be, especially for solo entrepreneurs. You know, we're often alone. Uh, a lot of the time I'm editing films. I'm in a bubble for sometimes weeks on end. And I just, I quickly, I quickly kind of realized that uh, it was difficult to find people in my life who really kind of got it, in quotes, you know, like, like you get me, that kind of, it was hard for people close to me to understand what my work life was like and why my hours were so expensive and uh, why I was always stressed about money mm -hmm. <laughs> and trying to find work. Uh, just my whole life shifted. And not only did I need people to talk to about that, but I also needed people to ask questions of, you know, when it came to things like dealing with maybe more challenging clients or when do I need a GST number? What do I do about my taxes? What are the sorts of expenses I can include in my taxes? How do you cope with this, that, or the other? How do you manage your time? I I needed that network. And so it was, I guess, partially selfish. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really just wanted to start meeting other femmes in business and not only connecting with them myself, but connecting them within the city and within the province and the country because one thing I've definitely noticed I I suppose I've noticed it more in my own field of film than anywhere else because that's where I live but is that there's so many women and femmes doing amazing things and a lot of the time we're not even aware of each other oh for and sure that kind of blows my mind because it's like Edmonton is not that big you know? yeah <laughs> but how are there all these other people doing cool stuff and I've never even seen their names or their faces so yeah it was it was this sort of giant need on a lot of levels that sparked the podcast becoming a becoming a thing. <laughs> so with all these interviews that you've done, like, have you changed anything that you've done in business as a result of, of these interviews? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I would say a lot of the time it's not necessarily, sometimes I'm learning brand new things, but I find that a lot of the time what happens is when you're talking to somebody and you realize you've had all these shared experiences, Mm -hmm. you almost find yourself receiving permission to feel a certain way or to take certain steps. You know, sometimes all it takes is somebody who's been in business slightly longer than you to be like, oh, yeah, no, you don't have to put up with that or you don't have to discount your rates for anyone and you don't have to allow yourself to be treated that way or you don't have to take on projects that don't feel like they're 100% kind of what you're looking for or in alignment with, with your values. A lot of the time, I think the conversations not only when when I'm in them having them, but for for people who listen to the show, a lot of the feedback I've heard is that they're very empowering. Like it's it's so it's so refreshing and empowering to hear someone's story who's kind of either been down the same road as you or has had a similar challenge, and to be like, yeah, okay, they've they've done this and it's worked really well or look at them they're doing it despite this and they're still successful through these challenges or here's how they've coped with that it's definitely shaped how i've run my business and it's also led to a lot of like collaborations and new ideas and yeah it's been a really enriching experience on a lot of levels that's great well as a listener i can say yes it's definitely empowering and so educational uh i'm going to be starting my own small business following this maternity leave and it's definitely a go-to listen for me so I appreciate everything that you do oh that's fantastic I'm really excited to hear that and you know one of the one of the coolest pieces of of feedback I ever hear is when I find out that people kind of use the show as like a hiring encyclopedia oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they'll be like you know I have, I have friends who will text me and be like Literally, when I need something, I go to the website and I type that thing into the search bar, whether it's I need a writer, or I need a makeup artist, or I need a doula. <laughs> and that to me is just fantastic. Like, I'm so happy that I can create those connections and honestly, like, give people more work. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what we all need as, as business owners. So. Yeah. So in all this time that you've been podcasting, what are the lessons that you've learned about podcasting or advice that you have for other aspiring podcasters? Oh boy. (laughs) I feel like I've learned so much. Well, I think first of all, as with anything, I would say consistency is key Mm -hmm. to, to growing a listenership and then actually keeping their attention and keeping it, keeping their sort of loyalty. So making sure that you're really organized about what you're doing is important and you know, I get asked a lot, like, so I just, I actually just recently changed the publishing schedule of the show from every week to every two weeks. And that was sort of a choice that had been a really long time coming, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, cause as a, like running a business and creating a weekly podcast, um, on top of all the other things I do was just really <laughs> burning me out. It's, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Even, even if you do have a huge backlog, it's still a ton of work to publish the episodes, to do all the social media. Uh, I take photos of all of my guests. So all of that, like preparing all that content is a ton of work, but it's, it's a good idea to always have a backlog. Yes. Um, I get asked a lot like, Oh, so you sit down with somebody every single week. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, sometimes it happens that I sit down with like four people within a span of a few days and that's because I'm working around my work schedule and if I've got a couple days free, then I will, I'll try to jam those things in there so that I'm, I've, I'm good for content for a while, but it's really important to always have a backlog of, I try to have at least a couple episodes sort of in the, in the can ready to go. So that I do still get some breathing space and so that, you know, if it happens that I can't conduct any interviews for a while, I'm still okay. Because as an entrepreneur myself, like my schedule is never the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like ask me what days of the week work for me. I have no idea. It really depends what types of projects I'm doing. If I'm, say, editing video for a week, I can be a lot more flexible than if I've got a week where I'm out on three different shoots. So it's, it, it really, really depends. And it's so important to have content ready to go. Yeah. 
Oh, no, I 100% mm-hmm. agree. I I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not, but so your episode actually isn't going to be going live until August because I am literally backlogging enough for like that first three months of this baby being born because I'm like, don't want to do anything. Don't want to don't want to <laughs> be doing. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it's super important. And at the same time, I mean, it really depends on what your show is, too. Right. Yeah. Like if you've got shows that are quite evergreen and that's kind of how how my show is as well. It's like nothing's really going out of date. If I do have a guest who wants to talk about something like specific and timely, I, of course, do my best to make that work. Or I just say flat out, like yeah. I'm already recorded for that chunk of time. So that's not going to happen. But it's, yeah, it's important to kind of know what your content is like, how long it's going to live, and then, you know, have a backlog, but not too long of a backlog that then you're worried that, you know, something's going to expire (laughs) in some way. And I've definitely gotten to that point with my show before, too, where I have so many people who are really excited to be on the show that if I have time, I'll record a bunch of interviews, but then I'm like, oh gosh, this isn't going to come out for like three months. Hopefully everything's still kind of going the same with this person's business by then. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fine balance, but it's, it's so important. And when you know your content and you know your show, like that's, it's the best way to be able to sort of set yourself up for success. Yeah. So you work with media all the time, whether it's social media, podcasting, blogging, do you think podcasts are getting oversaturated like everything seems to have its high moment has do you think podcasts have had that moment or it's yet to come wow that's a that's a really interesting question (laughs) it's kind of funny because podcasting has been around for so long yeah (laughs) it's been around for about a decade but I still feel like the world hasn't caught on yet (laughs) Okay. <laughs> so even in terms of something like monetization, for example, I'm shocked that we still haven't really found a fantastic way of monetizing podcasts. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are some huge networks and there are a lot of podcasts making really good money. But on the sort of broader, you know, broader scale, it, it's really challenging. And most podcasts and podcasters don't make any money. <laughs> Is it oversaturated? I think it's been oversaturated for a really long time. I don't know that that's actually hurting anyone. Mm -hmm. Aside from maybe the creators who have a show. Like I was having a conversation with a friend the other day. (laughs) This might sound kind of mean. But it's like if you had a dollar for every person who told you like, oh, you have a podcast. That's great. Me and my friends are so funny. We get drunk and like talk about (laughs) whatever, fill in the blank. And we're going to start a podcast. Uh I'm pretty sure I'd have at least a hundred dollars at this point. So I think that, I think there's a strong desire to create podcasts. I think the, the factor that makes a podcast successful is some something unique and some like it has to fill a need or answer a question or you know fulfill a curiosity that we have as people if it's if it's very very niche I think sometimes that can be hugely successful if you're talking about something really popular like there's a lot of like fantastically successful Star Trek podcasts and (laughs) Harry Potter and those sorts of things and Doctor Who, I yeah. wonder. I wonder which of those which of those pop culture pieces has the most podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's. I think it's it's oversaturated with folks who maybe want to create a podcast but haven't quite found that thing yet. See what's and and you know I get it. Like I wanted to have a podcast for years. It was something that was really like Karen Unland, the creator of the Alberta Podcast Network whom I mentioned before we recorded, I've known for years, she was like, start a podcast, start a podcast. And I was like, I have no idea what I could consistently talk about, Karen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't until I really found something, you know, that I felt would fill a need and that would actually resonate with a, a large number of people that I felt ready to launch. Well, and it's interesting the way you describe it in terms of like filling the need and the consistency and finding that something special, it all ties right back to entrepreneurship to me oh absolutely like I mean the same skill set the same like the best. yeah, yeah it's, it's the success of a product right or a service that has to fulfill a need it has to solve a problem for people otherwise why do they want it <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, for sure. So I want to talk really quick about entrepreneurship. Not something that I have personally delved into yet. I have lived with entrepreneurs, which is an interesting experience as well. But in terms Thank you for living with an entrepreneur. <laughs> we can be very challenging to love, right? Uh, well, it, by birth, so I had no choice. But um, <laughs> I, I was having this interesting conversation with my mom the other day about... And maybe it's a general generational thing, but she was saying there's very few people that she knows that love their work and are fulfilled by their work. And the majority of the people that she, you know, is surrounded by have traditional jobs. Whereas I was kind of coming from the point of view of I know so many people that are fulfilled by their work uh, that enjoy what they do. And she asked me, well, how many of them are entrepreneurs or own their own business? And mm-hmm. or, well, same thing. And And I was, you know, tallying that up and I was like, yeah, most of those in my experience are entrepreneurs. Is that the same sort of take that you see out there? Well, it's it's interesting because I feel like um, you can you can think about that question sort of from the opposite end, if that makes sense. And say, if you are going to be an entrepreneur, you have to absolutely love what you're doing. Yeah. You have to even love it when you hate it. Like when it (laughs) sucks and you're tired and you just want to go to sleep, but you can't because you have a deadline or you need to pay a bill and you're broke. You have to still love what you're doing because being an entrepreneur is so hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it is so hard. It's so rewarding and I would never trade it for the world, but it's, it's really hard. So I think that Yeah, I mean, the people who love their jobs being entrepreneurs, that makes sense to me because I kind of feel like you can't really be a successful entrepreneur if you hate what you're doing. Yeah. I I know, I definitely know, I mean, I know so many entrepreneurs at this point (laughs) in my life and they all love what they're doing. That being said, there's a lot of people really close to me who work sort of traditional nine to five jobs and also love what they're doing. And I think... I think it's a personality thing more than anything. Like I get asked a lot, do you think everyone should be an entrepreneur? And my answer is a resounding hell no. (laughs) I really don't think it's for everyone. It's not for everyone. It's a lot of people hate the thought of say working from home or, you know, having to manage their own time or, you know, just being their own boss. They're like, Oh God, I I would never want to be my own boss. Uh, Whereas, you know, the, the, the people with a kind of entrepreneurial mindset are like, hell yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Or, you know, like me, I'm like, I'm happy to sit at home alone and be a total introvert for a week. Like, I'm good to not talk to people. That's kind of my personality. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think, like, I agree, entrepreneurs tend to love their jobs because they have to. Mm-hmm. I think if you meet an entrepreneur who's absolutely miserable, they're probably not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. Or maybe they're a serial entrepreneur and they're ready for the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. There, you have to have so much heart and drive behind what you're doing to actually do it for a while. But I love how in your podcast you also talk about that it's not this romantic picture that a lot of people see. And I do think there is a slight disservice that's done by certain people out there on social media of like, I am location independent and can travel the world and do all this and that and that does work for some people but it's the minority of entrepreneurs I would say oh, for sure <laughs> but so many people think, are like I'm gonna take my laptop and work on a beach totally yeah and you're like how are you gonna fund that how are you gonna get <laughs> to the beach and then how are you gonna stay there yeah do you have a visa for that okay cool um yeah it's I think it's really important to talk about the realities of it. And, you know, being, being an entrepreneur is kind of a complicated thing. I had, I recently had my friends Avery and Kate and Katie on the show. They just, they've been doing what they're doing for years, but they just launched a business uh, just a number of months ago. And Avery put it so well when she said, I think I'm kind of feeling all the feelings at once (laughs) because, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's kind of like baby math where they, a ba- you'll give a baby like the smallest amount of food and then they throw up mm-hmm. like an exponential amount of food. This is a really weird analogy, but <laughs> it's like, I call it entrepreneur math because yeah, you're definitely not working nine to five. You're probably working all the time <laughs> and you feel this 
completely different type of stress, which I think in some ways is a lot worse than than a traditional day job stress because not only do you have to get everything done, but your entire livelihood's on your shoulders. And if you're not working, you're not billing. Uh, and, you know, everything's dependent on you. So there's a lot of stress. So you're kind of like, sometimes when you sit back and, and look at it, you're like, why would anyone do that? But <laughs> But the rewards just for me and for everyone I know who is kept at it, the rewards outweigh those things. And it's like this weird math where you're like, yeah, I'm working way more, but I'm so much happier. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I'm stressed, but it's a different kind of stress. I can take that stress because I'm building something for myself or because I have the flexibility to be a parent or I have the flexibility to, you know, do something else on the side that fulfills me. Like there's this imbalanced equation <laughs> That's really hard to explain until you become a business owner mm-hmm. and then you kind of start to, I think, either understand it or totally hate it yeah. and decide not to pursue that path. I, I've heard you say that you hate the term hustle. Why is that? Uh, hmm. <laughs> well, a few reasons. First of all, I mean, I'm a writer, so... words are very important to me and Mm -hmm. sometimes like I think I mean the term hustle doesn't have a great connotation right it's like the term hustle comes from hustling people from basically playing them right yeah or swindling them in some way so that kind of bothers me because I feel like it's like every day I'm hustling you know like I'm I'm just hustling people Mm -hmm. uh I don't super love that but I also think that one of the most dangerous things about entrepreneurship or kind of surrounding entrepreneurship beyond those romanticized notions is the romanticization of working yourself to the bone. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of glamorization of stress and of who's busier and who's got it worse and who stayed up later. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm working 24 hours and this, that, and the other, and I can't stop and I won't stop. And I think that's wrong on so many levels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, first of all, it's, it's interesting being in a in a world where I meet a lot of femme entrepreneurs, like that's not really an option for mm-hmm. a huge percentage of women and femme identifying folks because they're in the traditional parenting roles. Yeah. So I don't have kids yet, but that's like, you know, when you when you hear some famous entrepreneur like Gary Vee, and I'm totally not like crapping on Gary Vee. I think he's amazing <laughs> and he's got a lot of amazing insight to share but when I hear him talking about like working all the time I'm like cool who's taking care of your family mm-hmm. <laughs> like who's you know you can do that because you've got somebody else backing you you yeah. know and that's not to say that women can't have that support system and work their asses off like we do every day if we're lucky and we have that support system in our lives but I think it's just a dangerous notion and it's kind of an unrealistic notion and I'm guilty of it. Like I work myself to burnout all the time and it's so dangerous. And the elusive work-life balance, which I don't know that that exists mm-hmm. or that's something that people should actually strive for. It's still important to be happy yeah. <laughs> and it's still important to be uh, mentally, emotionally, and physically healthy. Yeah. So I don't like the notion of the 24 hour hustle. Uh, I'm sometimes guilty of working too much so I'm not saying I'm not saying that from a from a place of perfection or being like well I don't do that and you shouldn't either it's really necessary when you're a new entrepreneur to work all the damn time Mm -hmm. like you will be working all the time I still do I'm I'm three years in and I finally feel like I'm getting a semblance of being able to say no step away and focus on myself yeah and it's still really hard because I don't have I'm not in a financial place where I can just take a week off, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's, I think it's a huge complicated issue, but that's kind of the, to me, that's the connotation of hustle. And I feel like it's just a dangerous thing to promote to be like, yeah, hustle hard, hustle every day, every day. You got to hustle. You're an entrepreneur. You have to like, you're on the grind all the time. And yeah, it's it's true a lot of the time, but I think we need to also be really more gentle with ourselves yeah. and talk about things like mental health, which is why I kind of, I veered off into that path with the podcast as well and started doing deep dives into a lot of different issues that I think are important. So 
well, as you know, a, it's important to explore those things. <laughs> as a fellow mental health champion, I, I commend you for that work. So good for you. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, it's it's at a necessity as well. Like I, I deal with anxiety and depression. I know like I've I've had anxiety attacks so many times in the course of running a business Mm -hmm. and even recently just from working myself into the ground whether it's like for a deadline or because I feel like I have to and and that's one thing I've definitely learned about myself is I'm a naturally busy person I've been that way since I was a kid like my parents biggest struggles were like how do we get her to sit still and stop (laughs) talking so (laughs) I was always busy doing things and I still am I really like doing things I don't like sitting around and doing nothing. I do know that it's important to quiet my mind and relax, but being busy has also kind of, I've, I've been exploring and kind of thinking about this a lot lately. It's become like a part of my personality almost, Mm -hmm. or a part of how I feel I'm identified. (laughs) Like, Oh, Andrea, she's always doing a million things at once. And that's true. But learning to step away and then be okay with saying, no, I'm taking the day off. Like I'm actually not doing any work. It's for some reason, that's a huge challenge to me. Mm-hmm. And it's probably a huge challenge to a lot of people. And it's, you know, it's, it's hard to, when you put that out there and then have people be like, Oh, you're so lucky that you have the time to do that. <laughs> to not be like, no, you don't understand. I worked 85 hours this week. Uh, like you don't have to justify those things to anybody. Yeah. You're allowed to live your life the way you need to. And everyone's different. Everyone has to live life a different way. But yeah, it's, I, I feel like that's become quite deeply ingrained with being an entrepreneur too, is just like, you have to always be busy and always be doing things. And if you're not, then like, what are you doing? Who are you even, you know? Yeah. But you're, <laughs> but you are, like you're saying, also the only person responsible for your self care. Like you go to a, I don't like I used to work in oil and gas and they would have health and wellness weeks and like you get certain like they drill it into you the importance of like taking care of yourself which is really ironic given other things that go on but like but then when you're (laughs) an entrepreneur it's like you not only do you have all the stress but you have all the responsibility to make sure you are taking care of yourself for sure and it's it's very it can be so difficult to schedule that stuff into the day Mm mm-hmm you know, it's it's all too easy to say, yeah, I'm blocking off an hour this afternoon to take a bath or to go for a long walk or to just watch a TV show or something. Yeah, It's, it's very easy to see that in your calendar and then go, mm, you know, but I should be doing this and I should be doing this and I actually should, 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 should. And then you don't ever take time off ever. <laughs> and one thing that I'm trying to do was actually Ashley Jansen who's co-owner of Code and Effect. Um, I've had her on the show and I've, I've seen her speak a couple times and I'm trying to put into practice something I heard her say, which is it's so important to know when to say that's enough for today mm-hmm. versus the work is done for today because the work is never done yeah. when you run your own business. There's always marketing. There's always business development. There are always a million things that you could be doing but it's important to stop with the should for yourself yeah. and know, like, actually, I can just be a human tonight I really, and maybe watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that perspective. That's enough for today. Yeah, yeah. because it's, it's like the to-do lists will never stop. So <laughs> it's, it's up to you to decide when you're, when you're good yeah. and you're ready to rest or chill or go with friends or have quality time with your kids, your partner, whoever, right? Yeah. So you have always been a storyteller, it seems, like your theater company mm-hmm. and like from your youth and whatnot. So where does that passion stem from? Are like are your family like members into the arts and stuff, or was this all you? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I could say it's all me. Like I, I feel like that doesn't exist. Um, probably my passion for storytelling comes from like many past lives mm-hmm. and and other people and beings who have surrounded me at some point. Um, you know, I my parents are not, I don't say they're not creative. They're not, they don't work in artistic fields. My dad is a systems analyst. 
so he works with computers. He's like an engineer before that, you know, so very much that kind of brain, that Mm -hmm. side of the brain. And my mom works with small children. She, she has many passions though, and has always, you know, like she taught me how to use a camera. She was a photographer, um, not as her career, but as a huge passion and she's incredibly good at it. So I think, I mean, reading was always super important when I was growing up. And I think part of that too is having parents who, like I'm a first generation Canadian. So my parents aren't from here. And so, you know, we read a lot. And mm-hmm. I think probably part of that was my parents also getting to know what growing up in Canada is like <laughs> and and getting stronger and stronger at English as they went along and um, and that sort of thing. So I've always been hugely into reading and writing and I think more than anything perhaps is the fact that my parents just always encouraged me to do what I love Mm -hmm. so whether that was you know I I played violin when I was a kid and that was amazing and when I wanted to stop my mom let me sometimes I'm like damn it mom why weren't you stricter about that because now I can't play anything on it Uh, I can play other instruments but still I'm like oh I was so good and then you just let me quit. She's like, well, you wanted to quit. I'm like, I know. I really respect that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and yet. Um, but yeah. they've always, yeah, <laughs> they've always really encouraged me. And, and it was pretty clear for me from a really young age what I was strong at. Like, I was, I was really good at math and stuff until like junior high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just wasn't the way my brain worked. Like, I was always a super creative kid. I was always writing. I like, and my brother too, my brother is highly creative in a very different way. So he, he is like super excels at math and physics and all those things. And he went on to get a bachelor of design and then become an architect. So he's like highly creative, but also highly technical. I sometimes text him when I have math problems I can't solve to figure out what frame rate I need to shoot a video at. Like, it's it's so funny. <laughs> and he gets what I mean, and he tells me the answer. <laughs> so we're both, we're both really creative, but definitely I was always the, like, loud, rambunctious, outgoing, like, weirdo theater kid. And then my brother was the much more, like, creative but careful and thoughtful and uh, technical sort of mind. But, yeah, I always... I always excelled at language arts and English and, you know, I kept, I kept like extensive journals as a teen Yeah. where I would literally like at the end of every day, it got to the point that I couldn't write fast enough. So once computers were more of a thing and the internet was a thing, I would at the end of the day, like type out my day and print it out and put it in a binder. <laughs> so it was just kind of something. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, that I've always, what I've always been into and I've always been a really observant and kind of people centric person, which is funny because I'm a total introvert, but I love watching people Mm -hmm. and I love kind of discovering what makes them tick. And I love watching people interact with each other and being a fly on the wall. And I've, I've sort of been that way. Like my mom often jokes, like when I was a baby, she would sit me on the floor and I would just watch my brother play for hours because he's older and I would just observe <laughs> and I was totally happy to do that. So I, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how things, I don't know, your yeah. whole life just kind of shapes you, I suppose. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I think so many, uh, like I went to business school and everyone's like, find your niche, find your niche and like hone in on that. And like, don't, uh-huh. don't go too broad. <laughs> and yet so many entrepreneurs that I know are like, sure their business is a niche but you have to have this completely broad skill set and like with you with storytelling you know if storytelling is the niche you're able to do that in so many different ways and film and podcasting and writing like does Mm -hmm. that feel more liberating to you like could do you think you could do just one thing no no (laughs) no I couldn't and you know that's actually one of my biggest pet peeves. It's something that I've heard my entire life. And it's something that I've heard in particular, a lot more since becoming a full time 
entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and and running my own business is like, you got to focus in. So what are you focusing in on? You got to focus in on something. And to a certain extent, I get that. For example, my business three years ago and my business now are very different. I've I've absolutely honed in and narrowed the services I offer to gravitate towards things I love and and let things I I love less drop off. Mm -hmm. But like I hear it a lot. I heard it in theater. I hear it in film. So what are you? Are you a director? Are you a writer? Are you a cinematographer? Are you an editor? Like, which are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I'm a filmmaker. I do all of those things. And it doesn't mean that I, I mean, I I often do all of those things on a particular project, but it doesn't mean I always have to. Like, I'm sometimes hired to write. I'm sometimes hired to direct. I'm often hired just to edit. And I, I think it's really important, especially when you're working in the arts, to have those skill sets that you can at least, you know, be somewhat proficient at multiple parts of something so that, you know, because let's be frank, it's not like funding, we're swimming in funding in the arts. (laughs) Um, When you want to make something happen that is important to you, when you want to make a film that you think the world needs to see, or when you want to create something that is really, really important to your heart and soul, chances are you're going to be doing that on your own or with friends who are willing to work for nothing, which, I mean, I could talk about that for hours. I don't really condone <laughs> that. But I think among friends, sure. But I, I could talk for hours about how artists need to be paid. But it's, you know, it's, it's so important to have those, those skills, even if you don't plan on using them, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to something like film, for example. If you want to be a film director, your life will be 200% easier if you know how a camera works and you can communicate clearly with your director of photography, mm-hmm. it'll also be a lot easier for you if you know a bit about editing so that you can communicate with an editor about what kinds of cuts you want, what kind of tone you want, pacing. So having, yeah, having a well-rounded skill set is so important for pretty much any field of work. But I also think... Yeah, life is boring doing only one thing for me. And a lot of people are happy to do that. And that's fantastic. Not me. <laughs> no, for sure. Have you read the book How to Be Everything? I have not. No. It, it's a, it is a book for multi-passionate people. I'll send you I'll send you a link to it afterwards and I'll I include a link in the show notes, but I just found it a book where I finally went, "Oh, I don't have to have just one thing that I do." Like there are there are yeah. people that are like me. Totally. You know, it's interesting. I wonder, I don't know if this term is from that book in particular, but uh, Jillian Shecker, who's a photography, a photographer, sorry, a slash designer. Um, she's amazing slash kind of brand coach. Again, she does multiple things. When I had her on my show, she was talking about a term, I think it was being a scanner. Oh, so yeah, yeah. it's like you have these multiple, yeah, multiple streams that you're equally passionate about and yep. that you want to pursue. And so, yeah, I guess you scan between maybe skills or yep. paths. And I think, you know, I think, yeah, that's what makes us well-rounded people. Like, I, it's funny because I taught Zumba for five years. And oh, yeah. I had to retire that in 2016 due to some injuries. But fitness is something I'm hugely passionate about. It keeps me sane. Mm-hmm. Like, my workouts are what keep me going. (laughs) And when I don't have time for them, I notice a huge difference in who I am and how I feel, Uh, not just physically, but like emotionally and mentally. So, but it was always really funny to people when they're like, oh, you do this, this, and you teach Zumba? Question mark. Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm super passionate about that. That's like a different side of my brain. It's a different part of my soul. Like I get to go and let go and have so much fun and teach people how to dance and yeah it just it made me happy so I just kind of thought well why the hell not right absolutely (laughs) so you had said that you've been honing in on your services for the so that you're doing this the type of work that you really want to do what are those favorite types of projects for you to work on nowadays well yeah I really my dream it's funny I get asked a lot like so what do you like really want to (laughs) do and I'm, I'm super happy with what I'm doing but I do definitely have that that much larger scale dream of being a filmmaker full time, full stop. I would love to make films in quote unquote Hollywood. Like I'd love to make films that are being widely distributed um, to make feature films. 
to make documentary series, to make TV shows. Like I would be super into that, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing that full time. And I would be interested in doing that from a lot of different, uh, under a lot of different hats, again, as a writer, as a director, as an editor, like I would be happy to kind of live my life working between those roles. So that's kind of my, my giant long-term dream. Mm-hmm. In in my business as it currently stands, I I sort of realized last year, I mean, part of this comes with time, right? Because like I said, when you're a fresh entrepreneur, you're like, here are the 25 things I do. Please give me money mm-hmm. and I will do any one of those things for you. <laughs> as you start to find a loyal client base, as you start to kind of get a grip on marketing and on where to look for work, that sort of thing, it gives you a little bit more freedom to start saying no, right? Yeah. Um, and to sit to letting things that you don't want to do drop off. So for me, that was social media. <laughs> so social media is something like I started working on social media almost a decade ago before it was really a thing. Like I remember uh, working for a communications firm. It was just me and the owner. She brought me on as I think her first employee and she was like, okay, so social media is this thing. Like, I don't really know how to use it very well. I need you to learn, and I want to write an ebook for my clients. So I remember going to chapters when the social media section was probably six books <laughs> and opening those books and being like, Twitter, okay, here's how this works. So it's something that I naturally fell into and that I am really strong at because I'm a writer. So I can adopt a voice. I can, you know, sort of become invisible behind a brand or an agency or an organization because I'm strong at writing and uh, kind of adopting that, like that particular brand's voice. And then I, I just I worked for it in so many years that I became really strong at social media strategy and digital marketing. And that was the last job I was working at before I became a full-time self-employed business owner was as a, as a digital project manager. So it's something I continued to offer because, quite frankly, I'm really good at it. But yeah. one thing I realized is that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we can be good at a lot of things that don't, like put fire in our soul yeah and and for me that was social media like I, I took a huge step back at the end of at the end of 20 what year are we in at the end of 2017 <laughs> mm-hmm. I I thought you know what it's time to it's time to stop yeah. so I I had like a full kind of brand relaunch and I let that drop off and it's no longer something I do I'm very happy to like collaborate with people on that for example I've gone in on proposals for projects where yeah social media is a part of that and I I bring in fellow business owners who do that and who love to do it yeah but that was probably the biggest the biggest leap for me because it was scary to start saying no to that but you know to be totally honest I've just I've kind of fallen out of love with it um I run enough social media between my business and my podcast and my indie film company I'm kind of I'm I I'm already busy with it. <laughs> and it's also it's also a world I I think has changed a lot and a world that I don't particularly feel great being enveloped in anymore. Yeah. It's social media has has become sometimes a really negative place. It can be a really emotionally damaging place. I mean, one thing I hear all the time from almost every single person who's on my podcast is it's so hard. Social media is so hard because it seems like everyone's doing awesome and you suck. Mm. And like just those emotional games we play with ourselves when we see everyone's curated social media channels and you're like, look, they're making so much money and they're always busy and they're always doing cool things. And like, I'm here struggling and I'm scared that I can't pay my bills this month. Or like, what have I done wrong that I didn't sign another new client today? It's so easy to get caught up in that. Yeah. And even when you're aware of it, you get caught up in it. <laughs> so there, there were quite a few reasons it was time for me to step away. But it, you know, it felt good to do. And it felt good to be able to focus in on filmmaking and on photography and yeah. on kind of helping people find their story and tell their story. I love that. Well, I love that. You're helping people figure out that which I think they 
already know what their core, but they don't know how to express. So for you to be able to express that for them is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I do with, like, with consulting. So I offer story consulting, which is basically me getting to know you and helping you find out which route to go. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing is we're so, we're like buried in media, right? <laughs> it's like, I get a lot of clients who are like, okay, so this is my business and I think I probably need like a Pinterest board and I need a YouTube channel and I need to start a podcast and I need like all my social media. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Do you have the resources to manage all that and create all that content? And they're like, oh God, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, what do I do? And so I think like I'm able to, I'm able to help people by sort of figuring out their target audience and the best, like where their audience is living and how to reach them and then how to do that in a realistic way, because it's, it's a lot of work to create content. I mean, as, as you know, of course, being a podcaster, it's the hours that go into those things are, are significant. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, when you're already running a business, (laughs) And you're like, yeah. oh, and I also have to create video content and social media content and podcast content. It's overwhelming. Yeah, so, no big deal. Yeah, helping yeah. people hone in, hone in on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm going to move into the five wrap-up questions that I ask all of my guests. So we may have already touched on, on this. We maybe didn't. But what are some of the things cool. or the projects that get you fired up in a really good way? Oh, gosh. So many. One of the most amazing things for me is when I get to, when I'm creating a video for a business, for example, and I send my client a cut and they're just like, oh my God, it's me. Like, I don't know how you captured me so well, but you you got me to say all the right things. And they're so happy. I've had clients who hire me almost with hesitation because mm-hmm. they're like, okay, just so you know, I hate being on camera. I can't watch myself. I can't do this. I can't do that. I hate it. And then when I finish a video for them, they're just like, am I conceited that I just watched it 10 times on a loop? <laughs> and that makes me so happy. And the same thing happens with photography. When someone's really shy or they're afraid, they're like, oh God, I'm not photogenic. Like, I'm sorry, there's no such thing. That doesn't exist. Everyone's beautiful. Mm-hmm. When I can show someone their photos and they're just like, holy crap, I look amazing. I love these. How am I going to pick? Like, that's the best response to just make people feel great and to help people put, like, put their best self forward, whether that's like, here is this really strong story. Well, and you're giving people this incredible gift of confidence, which is so hard for so many people to to pull out of themselves like that's so rewarding yeah absolutely and it's I mean it's it's probably sounds kind of weird but like no one can see ourselves like we can't we can't see ourselves right like Mm -hmm. our our view of ourselves is so clouded by so many things Mm -hmm. from being self-conscious about certain things to just like how we're feeling that day Like how many times do you look in the mirror and you just see someone who's tired because you're exhausted Mm -hmm. and then you you go somewhere and your friend tells you, you look amazing. You're like, I'm a hot mess. And they're like, no, you're not. Your hair is so cute and your makeup's like perfect. And you're like, really? Oh my God. Like, it's just like, we're so, our view of ourselves is so clouded. So when someone can come in and sort of show you how awesome you are from an unbiased point of view, yeah, I think there's nothing really stronger than that because yeah. then you get to see it too and you're like, oh my God, that's that's me. Yeah, Like I am that cool person. I am that confident person talking there like I know what I'm doing when every day I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, Because <laughs> like, it's, it's so easy to just negative self-talk ourselves into yeah. a hole. I love yeah. it. What's the most inspiring book you've read in the past few years? Okay, well, I wish I read more books, first of all. Um, my life kind of doesn't allow for it a lot of the time. But that being said, Brene Brown's Daring Greatly mm-hmm. completely changed my life. I, I read it before I became an entrepreneur. I actually read it right after a horrible breakup. <laughs> and it just really changed my perspective on, on everything. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how many times I've recommended it to fellow business owners and how many times I've gone back to it. Mm-hmm. Because I just, there's certain things that she just puts into perspective in such an amazing way. Like one thing that I always think about that I I bring up often 
when I'm in conversation with maybe someone else who owns a business who's stressed out or, you know, doesn't know, feels like they don't know what, what to do next or what move to make next, is that unless somebody is in the arena with you, like fighting the same battle, their opinion means nothing. Yep. One thing that happens almost immediately when you start a business or you start offering a service is everyone around you tells you what you should do. So it's like, oh, you know what you should do is actually this. Or like, you should actually do this instead. Or like I have people all the time, like, you should make a film about this. And I'm like, well, that sounds like something you're super passionate about. I think you should make a film about it. Or you'll like you'll put a workshop online and someone will be like, well, you should actually do that on this day of the week. And it's just like, there are so many things I should be doing. Whatever will I do? So it's so helpful to remember that, you know, you're the only one who knows those things. And sometimes other people's feedback is really valuable. But you ultimately know what's in your heart and what's going to work for you in your life and your business. And yeah, other people's opinions of those things and of you are not your business. Yep. Like, that's a huge one, is whether somebody likes me or thinks I'm talented, that's none of my business, really. Like, i got to focus on what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. the people who want to hire me and want to work with me or collaborate with me, they'll come find me, and I will find them. So if somebody doesn't like what I'm doing or you know, thinks I charge too much or thinks I should be doing workshops a certain way or whatever. Like, it doesn't have any effect on me if I don't let it. Yeah. So that book definitely shaped my life and my business in a lot of ways, and I, I highly recommend it. If anyone has is listening to this and has not read it yet, do it. Those crazy people that haven't read it, yeah. Do you... Well, and I just saw that she's, re, she's like re-recording because there's an, there's an audio book of it. But, but it's, it's not, not read by her. I was so disappointed. Yeah, she's reading it now. I know. So I saw that also. Version. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm people like, listening need to go out and get that one. Yep. Yeah. yeah, wait for that one to come out because she's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and she's like a mama bear. Like, I just, oh, man. Yep. Totally. And like the whole, there's something too about like Southern american yeah like she just got that total is she texan i think she's texan yeah, yeah. like that like southern mama bear where it's like you know what yeah don't even tell me this and i'm like yeah don't yeah totally don't brittany's got my back <laughs> so funny so do you have a favorite quote or words that you live by oh goodness i mean i have many <laughs> one of my favorite quotes is lucille ball and she said if you want something done ask a busy person mm-hmm I think that's both hilarious and so true on so many levels. Usually it's the busiest person who offers to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because they are used to being busy. So they have the capacity to do so. So that's definitely, that's definitely a big one. Also, Lucille Ball is kind of one of my heroes. Yeah. I named one of my dogs after her. Aww. I love her so much. But I would say also like the four agreements, which because I'm, on a podcast I can't remember at all off by heart yeah but you know it's it's like being true to your word and really just like living in alignment and again knowing that uh like you're not responsible for other people's feelings and they're not responsible for yours those kinds of things are really important just really knowing yourself is so important and loving yourself is so important yeah um and those are things that kind of drive everything I do yeah. I suppose so that might tie into this next question which is what's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given hmm life lesson not business lesson <laughs> I mean you can go for um, business lesson if you want yeah I was gonna make the joke and be like always get a deposit <laughs> um that's definitely one of the things I've learned in business it's so important to protect yourself Mm-hmm. Like always get a deposit, get a contract signed um, because when you allow yourself to kind of be pushed over <laughs> or like, oh, I just want I'll just pay you at the end or whatever. It's always those situations that end up hurting you and they can hurt you so much. Mm-hmm. Like I was almost rendered bankrupt by a client who decided to really throw me for a loop. And it's just those situations where you're like, oh, well, they're trying to talk me out of this. And like, I probably should just trust them, right? I shouldn't be like a hardened business person. 
Um, and it's so funny because when I first launched my business, I remember talking to friends who were in business for a decade or more. And I was like, man, they're hard asses. Like they have like no wiggle room. Like mm-hmm. they're very strict. Yeah. <laughs> and I was so kind of naive. And then after a couple of years, I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. You have to. Yeah. You really have to lay out the terms for people and yeah. stay true to them because it doesn't only help you. It helps them, too. So yeah. that's so important for business. Life advice. One thing I've absolutely learned a million times over, over I'd say the last five years, is just how important self-love is. Mm -hmm. Um, And knowing who you are and knowing that nothing, nothing outside of you, nothing material, nothing physical, like changes who you are. Mm Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you are following trends. It doesn't matter if you've got the best Instagram account. It doesn't matter if you've gained 20 pounds or lost 100 pounds or whatever. You are awesome and worthy and valid and uh, enough. And and that to me is so huge. And I think it's, it's so easy to fall out of. You know, yeah. <laughs> especially with things like social media. And like I was saying earlier, when you're a business owner, everything's on you. And it's really easy to blame yourself yeah. for things that are related to your business. And actually, Sylvia Shebri, who's who co-owns a restaurant called Chartier with her partner, she's been really outspoken about that recently. And I think it's so important is that, like, your worth has nothing to do with whether your business is successful or not. Yeah. And like those things can't be connected. And it's so hard, especially when your business is you to not think, well, I'm not, you know, making enough money this month and therefore I suck. I'm a failure. And here are all the things that are wrong with me. But it is so, so important to make that separation and go, "Mm, no, this doesn't actually speak to who I am or my talent or anything. It's just a thing that's happening and maybe there are some things that I need to change about how I market or business development, but that doesn't impact who you are and like your worthiness of love and a good, happy life, you know? Very powerful. And my last question, Andrea, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? Hmm. I read these beforehand and they still feel so big. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think a really good question I feel like living your best life is probably an ever-evolving thing Mm -hmm. but I feel like living your best life is being in a place where you have deep gratitude for everything around you because I think gratitude changes everything like it's easy to get really caught up in all the things we might not have or all the challenges we're facing it's it's too easy to get caught up in those things and it's so important to step back and be aware and recognize everything that you do have and really how good you have it, you know, like, especially for North Americans, like we're doing, we're doing well. Yeah. We have so much privilege, especially for yeah, white middle-class North Americans. Yeah. Like we are, we're doing awesome. Uh, even if we're having a crappy day or we feel like we're broke or being treated unfairly or, you know, or, or, or like life is good and it's a lot more than all of those things. So, yeah, I think, I think being in a place of gratitude is so important and that comes in all different forms from, yeah, recognizing what you have to giving to others and recognizing that you have the ability to do that and to help other people, even in really small ways, I think that's, I think that's living your best life. And, you know, sometimes it means taking a day off and laying on the couch with your dogs and watching <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race or something. You're just like, this is fantastic. I have the opportunity to do this. And I think even in that situation, it's important to be like, I get to do this. Mm-hmm. And here are the reasons why. I'm supported. I work hard. I have a business. You know, it's. Yeah, it's yeah. really acknowledging those things and appreciating. Like, yeah, it's it's definitely bad days happen. And I think 
there's a lot of confusion between like being an optimistic or positive person and thinking that that means you have to be positive about everything versus being a positive person and knowing that even when things are so rough, it's going to get better and there's still so much good, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was super fun. 